he's more than just bridging a half a century of war. Yeah, I mean, he's he's bringing almost a continent together, at least a subcontinent together. <laughs> it's not. It's a peninsula. It's not a sub. What? It's, a, it's like it's the a, little. It's, it's like the. No, no. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. No, no, no. See. What this is going to end with is that Trump and Kim are going to sit down and they're going to be like, all right, how do we unify the peninsula? And Dennis Rodman's just going to be like, um, I thought you guys were planning to invade China. So. <laughs> and Trump's going to uh, be like, you were one of the Central Park Five, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's going to be like, you want to be the head of housing and urban development? <laughs> <laughs> I found an even blacker guy to do it, guys. Uh, Dennis Rodman's great. He's wonderful. He can hit a three from behind the line. Um, I'll tell you what. Making him head of the Department of Defense. I don't care. No one can tell me that. Senate can't confirm that. I'm just letting you know. uh, Dennis Rodman will be in charge of tanks and uh, planes from now on. Sinking those ICBMs from half court. I, mean, I just think Dennis Rodman would be a lot more like appropriate as the department head for uh, face piercings. That would be good. <laughs> oh, that was oh, that was the best part is like all these articles I was looking at that were like, oh, Dennis Rodman confirmed on a flight to Singapore. Flight to Singapore. Whoa. Whoa. I can, did you guys hear that echo? Yeah. Yeah. The static. Uh, but yeah, like all those things, uh, like being like, ah, Dennis Rodman confirmed on a flight to Singapore. Um, did y'all hear about like the cryptocurrency that's, uh, supposedly supporting him? Rodman? Yeah. In this flight trip there. Oh, no. (laughs) They They call it crypto. So it's it's designed as a secure new way for people to pay for legal marijuana. Potcoin is a bet on multiple speculative novelties that is basically subsidizing his flights over there. Hell yeah! Why does he? God, why does he need this? Is support? This is hilarious. The world He's, is so dumb. <laughs> it, no, that's that's what I was about to say. Is that this? I mean, like, not only is his face covered in piercings, and does he wear awesome sunglasses? This is idiocracy. I mean, he is president. What was the name of the president in idiocracy? Uh, Dwayne Camacho. Dwayne Mountain Dew Camacho. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That that is what, like, is going on. Who are these absolute units with him in this photo, Parker? (laughs) I have no idea. Shit. But it's potcoin.com, and it's, uh, it's, you know, a cryptocurrency for marijuana can be arguably even less meaningful to the world than all of the ones that already exist, but I appreciate the photo. Can we get back to the most important thing, though, here, which is that they thought they needed a new cryptocurrency to buy weed? <laughs> Isn't that the whole point? I don't understand. Yeah, this the is the only crypto. reason they work. <laughs> I, like what else do you buy with cryptocurrencies? Uh, I mean, lots of stuff. <laughs> okay, well, drugs. That's the point. What else do you? What do you buy that's not drugs? More hey, crypto. They want to separate it out, like pot coin, like cocaine coin. You know, they want you to have separate cryptocurrencies for every single drug. And 
That's actually really like interesting because like technically they would all have different values. So you could attach the values to like the most commonly sold like amounts, which is a really strange idea for a currency. Some some wife, some housewife finds her husband's Bitcoin <laughs> wallet and is like, and then she's what like, is Xanax coin. <laughs> what are these? What are whore Heroin coins? coins. Explain to me what whore coins are. Isn't that the eventual end point of capitalism, though? Everything that you could possibly purchase is on a widely speculative, rapidly shifting currency. Like, oh, fuck, bread coins, $400 today. Oh, no, wait, it's three cents. No, wait, it's $220. No, wait, it's negative three cents. Okay, and then just a bunch of nerds yelling total at you about it. (laughs) Okay, but if we don't allow the free market to do what it wants guys um how are these traders i mean traders with a d uh how are these traders gonna you know be able to speculate on the market and how how is our futures industry gonna you know the 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 speculative futures industry i mean are you just saying we're just gonna put all these hard-working producers out of work that's come on i mean be a little more realistic with our takes okay that's all i'm asking like Bitcoin miners are literally frying the planet. Yeah, I think they energy they use. They use like more energy than like fucking Ireland. <laughs> yeah, and it's supposed they, to be they, like more energy than the U.S. if it keeps up at this rate. Oh, there's no way that's gonna happen. But it's definitely more than some small countries. I mean, the Chinese are building massive Bitcoin farms as like infrastructure. I just can't wait until like the whole Sun Belt gets turned into a big like set of of Sun uh, solar panels, just so that people can mine bitcoins there. And then finally, Phoenix will become useful instead of just a, a, a waste wasteful hellhole. Uh, uh, what's Arctic wrong with Phoenix? Cold. You can get okay. Have you ever had? Okay, when you go to the restaurants in Phoenix, all right, you get green chili sauce. And red chili sauce at the table. You're thinking of New Mexico. That's not an Arizona thing. <laughs> wait, wait, Mexico. wait. Who am I? <laughs> God damn it. Can we go back to Potcoin? Okay. <laughs> Can we go back to I, Dennis Rodman? I, I, I love, yeah, Dennis I love Rodman the idea that, that fucking Potcoin is playing some sort of integral role in getting the double nostril piercing man... Yeah, to they, double nostril piercing guy who used to make millions of dollars to go to Singapore so he can support two world leaders. I, I'm, reading, I'm reading their like official Twitter, okay? And it says the Potcoin team as a community has been incredibly supportive of Rodman's peace mission from the beginning. Is peace in so, quotes? They've been with they've been with Rodman the whole way. What are you talking about? From the bottom. <laughs> as a Potcoin. <laughs> Yeah, was that company even founded uh, when he wasn't, like, when he was in the NBA? Because I feel like it couldn't have been. So, like, saying you're attached to his peace mission from the beginning is kind of disingenuous since wasn't he shooting hoops over in, over in North Korea in, like, 2004? Probably. <coughs> yeah, yeah. He had a couple of uh, exhibition matches in North Korea for Kim Jong-un. Well, that's that's how I understood that whole thing to have started is that he went over there and played some and then Kim Jong-un was like, oh, my God, I've never seen a human being this tall and then just (laughs) invited him to the palace. And Rodman was like, oh, how do you get 
uh, room service here and they're like you you don't we have a kitchen and we don't pay any of the people who work here because they're political dissidents and Rodman was like oh my god wait, you mean I can wait. get chicken parmesan at 3am and they're like uh, we don't really have that many chickens and we can't import parmesan cheese so like okay oh. so <laughs> so this is kind of important um, he's going to Singapore but will not actually be attending the summit <laughs> Oh, <laughs> really? He's just gonna be there. Well, just gonna uh, be playing the vibe. Again, this comes from his vast experiences as an NBA player. Do you know how important a six man off the bench is when you're in a heated negotiation or a, you know a difficult game? Getting a fresh pair of legs in there is one of the most important things you can do. So they're not gonna be in there though. And but that's, also, that's what I'm saying. He's got like, Trump's phone number. Kim Jong Un has his no, Twitter no, no, account. Trump even commented on it when a reporter asked him what they were doing to prepare for the summit and like he was like i don't think i have to prepare very much it's about attitude yeah so, and Rodman are gonna uh, oh sub God. out at least halfway through the negotiations exactly this yeah yeah well what, what would be really great is if trump just went into the room and dennis rodman was just dressed as kim jong-un it was like hey i'm kim jong-un i'm here to negotiate this with you and well, uh, he was actually like, I've ordered my goons to poison you in the Malaysian airport. <laughs> <laughs> Many months has come and gone since I wandered from my home in those Oklahoma hills where I was born. Many a page of life has turned, many a lesson I have learned. Well, I feel like in those hills I still belong. Way down yonder in the Indian nation Ride my pony on the reservation In those Oklahoma hills where I was born Now way down yonder in the Indian nation The cowboy's life is my occupation In those Oklahoma hills where I was born I'm Adam Burnett and this week we have Carl Roberts, Stephen Lastman and Parker Nelson on the show and this is Red Star Over Oklahoma. We are a small political and news podcast broadcasting about left Oklahoma. And this week, we're going to be talking about Anthony Bourdain's suicide, Trump at the G7 meeting, and Oklahoma's prison population before going on to, as always, our conservative reading list for the week and some socialist events. But uh, I guess we're just going to jump right in um, to the Anthony Bourdain story. And, um, I mean, I'm sure as, you know, we've, you know, you, the, the news has been out for a while, uh, that Anthony Bourdain committed suicide at the age of 61 in France this week. Um, and I, I mean, this is also, I think it's important because I think that, um, for all of us, uh, Anthony Bourdain is like not only a really cool and interesting guy, but was an interesting uh, political advocate. Um, but I also think he occupied a part of like our uh, celebrity culture that I think uh, a lot of uh, maybe our female listeners would uh, feel about Kate Spade. Uh, not to say that you can't be into art and cooking or fashion and cooking, but uh, I do want to touch that we uh, – uh, that, that, that Kate Spade has also committed suicide recently, a New York fashion designer. Um, and so I kind of jumped at the chance to get to talk about this a bit because um, 
I've been going through a pretty rough patch uh, in my just with some family things, and we've we've lost a loved one recently, and it's been uh, very difficult. And I think that one of the most important things um, <clears throat> we talk about solidarity a lot, and I think one of the most important things that uh, we can do in recognition of these. Uh, I mean, the I mean, there's a there's been a 25 percent increase in um, suicide rates uh, this year. Um, and I mean, I think this is one of those things like the gun issue where like on one hand there, there, there's not any good answers, but the thing that we can really do is stand in solidarity with each other and to share our experiences. And so I, I you know, I'll share a little bit with, I mean, I think you guys know some of this, but I'll, 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 uh, I'll share a little bit of this is I, I, I have went through some pretty bad bouts of depression and had to uh, really buckle down and start going to therapy and, and being active with my mental health. And it is something that I think at least I have dealt with. And I, I, I highly empathize um, with those uh, feelings. And when I heard this news, it just it, it really broke my heart because um, this is someone I mean, all you know, talk about the stuff that, you know, we are advocates for this dude hated Kissinger. I hit the the discussion of uh, Anthony Bourdain. Like it went, you can read all of his the stuff he said because he was a writer and he wrote it all down and said it to a bunch of people. But him talking about Cambodia, which Kissinger illegally uh, a lot uh, ordered to be illegally bombed in uh, during the Vietnam War, where he discusses the fact that like when you do that as an imperialistic nation and you just bomb a country like that. It's those scars stay. And I think one of the other really, you know, of course, he was a big supporter of Palestine. One of the uh, touchstones of uh, CNN's uh, Parts Unknown uh, is his Jerusalem episode where he goes and sees the wall and talks to people in Palestine. And it is, I mean, talk about eye opening. Um, That is one of the most moving pieces of journalism I have seen or read uh, in a really long time, uh, and of and course, it's, it, it's mm-hmm. I, I think it's important to mention on that on that front because it's such a it was such a big deal of what he did. You know, there are oh, things yeah. you could criticize Anthony Bourdain for, I'm sure, and there are things that we can like about him. But fundamentally, he used this massive megaphone he had to highlight people that were getting screwed a lot of the time. Yeah, and he did that very consciously. Yeah, and that what? that is. One of them that especially stands out to me was his episode going back to his uh, old restaurant in Provincetown, Massachusetts, and then going into Eastern Mass and really like showing the opium crisis and mm-hmm. how it's affected these communities. And seeing that now that I live here definitely is a lot more poignant. But it's I mean amazing how he was able to use his platform to do a better job of showing and explaining and adding uh, some emotion to these issues that. I mean, even now, don't get the coverage that they deserve in the news. And he went above and beyond to show and expose those parts of our world. Yeah, and I think I think that goes right into. I mean, he was a big, um, he, you know, he was a big advocate for the Me Too movement and spoke out against Weinstein and lots of other uh, Hollywood officials. Um, and then I think one of the other things is, and you guys talked about kind of the, you know, you know, there is an ability to criticize, of course. Um, and I think one of the really important things, uh, one of his, another one of his episodes when he went to Haiti uh, after the earthquake in 2011, 
it was, I mean, that entire episode, I mean, the, the sub-theme of that episode besides, oh my God, Haiti is in really bad shape. The sub-theme of that entire episode was, are we engaging in misery tourism? And like, that's such a complex question. And to have that conversation, I mean, you know, what, right. how can you get around that when, when you're in that, you know, situation? He did a similar thing in the, I don't know if you remember the Jamaica episode from season four that um, he did distinctly to high white, uh, the disparity between like a bunch of like white touristy, you know what I mean? Uh, like incredibly wealthy touristy areas versus all of the, like, like the wealth mansions, et cetera, um, as well, uh, like in, in contrast to um, some of like the poverty of many of the locals. And so, I mean, that's definitely a topic that's relevant to our podcast at the very least. Yeah, I, I think it's safe to say that he's definitely like opened our eyes to one issue or another that we weren't aware of. All of us, like, certainly was able to show a lot of people a lot of things that they might not otherwise have been aware of, and in such an entertaining and personable way. Right, and and, and, and as well, like on top of it, show like. I don't know the the tension between letting places remain unknown versus the rewards, but like just showing people that places are, are actually worth going, you know what I mean? That they don't differ mm-hmm. a lot from where we are and sort of break down these sort of inhibition barriers that we have um, just by a lot of people not, not traveling as much as they are able to, you know, or just be able to well, bring especially, those types of- Especially for Americans, I think, because it's really not a thing I've, I, I, I see from anybody that's not American, and I mean, obviously we have a bunch of American friends that like traveling, but, um, you know, I think you did such a good job of being like, look, America, the, the world you know, is bigger than America and maybe Canada and Mexico, you know? Right. Go check it out. Go go engage with universe. it. Well, and uh, not only that, but it's, I think one of the things I always took away from his shows was that, hey, you stupid fat Americans, this place is just as gorgeous, just as culturally rich, and just as independent as y'all. You know, that was one of the things, especially like that Cambodia, uh, him talking about Cambodia and all the times he goes to Vietnam. I mean, Vietnam Mm -hmm. was one of the places he returned over and over and over. And that was always an undercurrent to me of what he was saying was, you know, global hegemony is not super great, guys. And not only that, but these places are beautiful and culturally rich and deserving of respect and not, you know doing what we did in Vietnam. And I think a lot of it also comes out of sort of this indoctrinated nationalistic bullshit where we try to separate countries out between like developed and developing nations where it's like, oh, and the most that uh, a lot of Americans ever consider of a lot of countries or cultures is like, oh, why would I go to X shithole? You know what I mean? When I have the ability to stay in America or that we like romanticize particular countries for being beautiful and then don't, you know. Um, When you're going to quote the president, uh, <laughs> sorry, I, mean, um, I should just played. reference sh- that you're quoting him. Um, it'll be it'll be in the episode sources. <laughs> act like I act like I came up with that one, but you uh, you understand. But the point, regardless. Yeah. yeah, another reason why the things that Anthony Bourdain has shown has shown people are all the more important when we've got a president calling the other country shitholes, trying to. What, I mean, the most nationalistic president that we've had certainly in our lifetimes. Mm-hmm. It's all the more important to learn the value of all of these other countries and cultures around the world. I don't know. I think Bush really loved America. But I, <laughs> I, no, no, no. Okay. Let me explain. Uh, no. Okay. I'm not going to get into my baseball analogies about how <laughs> Bush can, can't throw a ball, but Trump won't even try, which makes Trump even stronger. I, we, we don't. 
have to have that argument. Um, I do want to end this. I do little, a, huh? Well, I just I, I want to say like another uh, just another little thing about his suicide. Um, and I mean I don't know enough about Kate Spade to know if this applies to her as well. But I think I, I've seen a bunch of stuff where it's like you know online where it's like suicide is so prevalent. And it's not enough to like just have mental health services and so on to increase access. And of course, we should do that. We that's like every other episode that we say that. But I think his suicide really highlights how social conditions can generate despair and maybe make you want to kill yourself because he had this massive platform. He got to see how much people suffer. He's been like I said, he spent so much time highlighting that and trying to get people to understand that. And for somebody like him who has, you know, compared to anybody, any of us know, a ton of power to be able to bring that message all the time and still feel like nothing is changing and it's just not getting better anymore is a really stark example of how, like, social conditions can cause mental problems, you know? Um, I'm not saying that depression is exclusively caused by that or that suicide is exclusively rooted in that or something, but that definitely... It's more the other way around. The other one's certainly... Conditions, yeah, you fuel can't ignore the material conditions, yeah, yeah, and it's good. I I don't, don't, it made it work. I mean, if you just think about how hard it must have been for him as a guy who has this unbelievable amount of power and constantly tries to highlight these problems and feels like nothing is getting better, you know, I think those kind of choices start to make more sense. And depression is also a pretty valid response, you know, And, and that we have to change our conditions if we want to fight this suicide. The massive increase in suicide that you mentioned at the start of the segment, Adam. You know, that's there's no way around it. I, I don't know if you're necessarily referencing this. I, it was it was actually what I was mentioning when I uh, introed the show, introed the story. But this USA Today piece. Uh, yeah, yeah, I saw that. It, I, I'm not going <clears> to <throat> read the the title because I don't agree with the title. Uh, but uh, it, Americans are depressed and suicide and suicidal because something is wrong with our culture. And, like, I hate that because, just like I said at the beginning, I feel like this is one of those things. I think, one, it goes hand-in-hand hand with a gun discussion. Two, which already makes it very complex. But I think when you're blaming things on culture, like, I, I, I think that that can play a role as well. I just, I don't know, I always cringe because that is often so, that, that argument is often. Huh? It seems pretty cop-outy and something that, mm-hmm. like, yeah. it, it, well, it I ignores always... a lot of the material conditions we're talking about, right? Yeah. Like, in their contributions to particular things, whereas, I, I don't know, it also shifts the blame onto, like, us cop- eh, never Well, it makes it, it makes it seem like the only way around this is to wage some sort of culture war, which everyone's mm-hmm. going to balk at. Really, like, examining specific material conditions in people's lives is the way to fix this, but, of course, the USA Today doesn't want to say that. Yeah, of course. And, and like I said at the beginning, you know, um, I really, I, I kind of jumped on this story and wanted to discuss it because I have been going through some rough times recently. And um, I really think, like I said, we, you know, there is so much to be said for solidarity and for letting other people know that they're not alone, that what they're going through, uh, while unique to them, is something that other people have struggled with and that that can be, you know, I, I think that we can do so much more when we're willing to, you know, take, you know, a, a step within our communities and check up on our friends and make mm-hmm. sure that our, the people around us know we love them and that we take care of ourselves too. 
and make sure that, you know, if we need to go to therapy, we're going to therapy. And if we need to talk to a doctor, we're talking to a doctor. And if you need to call the, su- the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, the number is 1-800-273-8255. And that is, like, good praxis, as, you know, Carl would say. Yeah. Yeah, part of being socialist and left-wing means recognizing a lot of the shitty things about the world around you, and that definitely takes its toll, so especially important to take care of yourself before you can try and take on the problems in the world. To um, quote the greatest psychologist I know, if how in the hell are you going to love somebody else if you don't love yourself? Thank you, RuPaul. <laughs> God. Uh, so, who, uh, who's going to tell us about that uh, G7 conference going on to move on to a little uh, wackier news? That's going to be great. Um... I guess that's my cue. Uh, so, President Donald Trump, I don't know if we're going to, how how much more we're going to move on from the depression here, but President <laughs> Donald Trump uh, on Saturday, uh, he refused to endorse a G7 declaration calling for a reduction of tariffs and other barriers to trade. Um, as he continued to kind of just lash out uh, at traditionally close allies for allegedly treating the U.S. like garbage. And so, a lot, I, I just want to preface this story by saying a lot of his arguments don't make sense as if that wasn't really a given but you know i I just i normally expect a lot of well thought out policy foreign (laughs) policy that's what i expect and he's just thrown me a curveball the man knows what he's doing all right yes (laughs) so he basically started out saying that uh the first thing he wanted to talk about was that russia should be in this meeting um as if he i i guess he didn't hear why you know russia was suspended from the group which was used to be known as g8 in 2014 after the majority of the member countries allied against russia's annexation of crimea alleged alleged (laughs) annexation of crimea Uh, yeah those 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 soldiers didn't you didn't have patches parker they took the velcro patches off how do you know where they're from That's it. I mean, that's my point. It was a good real estate deal. Let's be honest. You know, it's real estate. And Putin was like, "I will buy your building, Jared Kushner, at six 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 Ukraine Avenue." And now Russia owns Crimea. It was just good business. Yeah. Yeah, and so I mean, even asked in an interview earlier this week about what would be needed to have, what would need to happen rather for Russia to return uh, Crimea to, to Ukraine. Um, Putin was like. There are no such conditions, and there will never be. So, <laughs> I, so sounds like problem solved right there. Yeah, right exactly. <laughs> and Trump is like, you know, well, we need to go back to being G8, or you know, I'm going to go ahead and move ahead with a 25 percent import tax on steel and 10 percent on aluminum on most uh, of our allies. I don't know. And it, that wasn't that, actually that condition for that. It was more over because they, you know, he didn't feel that the United States is being fe- treated fairly on these trade deals, but still. More concerning would be if Trump decides that G6 sounds way classier and <laughs> tries to banish someone else. Uh, I no, mean, he's I'm... just like, Canada's ours now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're just going to annex you, Trudeau. Actually, and so there was a, a number of like interesting uh, allied responses to this, especially his Twitter bout with Justin Trudeau uh, and the French president uh, Macron, which is, which is great. And so during uh, his... Like the press conference, Trudeau said uh, Trump's move to impose tariffs on Canadian steel and aluminum for national security reasons, quote unquote, was insulting to Canadians who had stood with the U.S. in times of war for generations. Um, and uh, he was like, I, I highlighted that it was not helping in our negotiations of NAFTA. 
um, but they're ab they're going to move forward with absolute certainty and firmness um, with retaliatory measures that are going to come out on July 1st. So that'll be interesting. Um, I'm really no excited. No more Vermont, Vermont maple syrup going north of the border, guys. It's over. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. And um, this, like, Trump put out a tweet after that that said, uh, uh, this is a, this is a trade, this could spark a trade war, but it's easy to win. And I'm just like, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> White House trade advisor Peter Navarro uh, is on Fox News, which I just flipped over to right now. And he referenced uh, bad faith Justin, Justin Trudeau's special place in hell. So we might be actually going to war with uh, Canada. Um, okay, but okay, can we all remember that hot fire Trump dropped whenever he was like, "Hey, Canadians, didn't you all burn down the White House one time?" That's why we hit the terrorists. <laughs> Sounds like, man, that has been British colony. Yeah, it's been a while. Eighteen fourteen, boys. <laughs> hey, you know what? He's, you know, Trump's like an elephant. He got that long memory and that long trunk. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad that we can like wage trade wars based on misremembered 200 year old historical events. The, oh god, that he doesn't. To remember be fair though, if this works out right, since he's like, um, since he's from New York, maybe he'll be like, didn't South Carolina shoot at that army base once, and then he'll just do like Sherman's March to the Sea again, and just kill all the reactionaries in the South. That would be cool. I would. Somebody should really close to him should like start or set up a Twitter bot that reminds him of this. You know. He doesn't know South Carolina is part of the Union. Let's be honest here. We're gonna win this. You mean trade East Carolina? Just like, <laughs> we're gonna win just like we uh, defeated the Mexicans at the Alamo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when and, we won the Battle of Cinco de Mayo for uh, Texas. <laughs> the the battle whether we're, we're allowed to appropriate Mexican culture once a year. <laughs> That's what we fought over, and we won. Damn it! Oh <laughs> well, yeah, we did. <laughs> So basically, uh, this also come like uh, Trudeau also commented on what like the the North like the NAFTA uh, renegotiations that they're talking about, and Trump included a stipulation uh, that the trade deal is supposed to automatically expire every five years, and I Trudeau actually laughed like laughed at that, <laughs> which was amazing. Like I don't understand how you're supposed to renegotiate something like that every five years, um, but. The, what was even better than that was. Do you guys still want free call. trade? Uh, yeah, I guess. All right, cool. <laughs> we'll do that. <laughs> what was even better than that was his phone call between. Uh, it was a phone call between Trump and Emmanuel Macron um, that went south when the French president like sort of confronted him uh, over trade and immigration. Um, this was on Thursday, and he kind of tweeted uh, on Friday when he was to meet with these two uh, at the at at them with really butthurt feelings, but. Both leaders discussed uh, the, the migration problem in Libya and the timelines to solve it, um, as well as the need to rebalance trade with Europe. Um, and uh, Macron went on the record saying uh, the call was just bad. It, it was terrible. <laughs> like, literally, it was a Trump description of just bad. It was terrible. Did Macron thought he would be able to speak his mind based on the relationship, but Trump can't handle being criticized like that. And the fact that <laughs> Emmanuel Macron triggered the living shit out, out of Trump on this phone call. Oh. Um, no, so but it's hilarious happened. that geopolitics is it is essential not to criticize the president or he'll get mad at you online. <laughs> no, I think what like, actually happened though, did you all see that photo where they shook hands? Oh, I was about to Macron's talk about this. Yes. Yes. Because that's what actually happened. Is not that Macron criticized Trump. Trump was like, why'd you come at me like that, bro? 
I thought we were gonna have a nice, friendly handshake, See, and then he was just—he was ashamed. That's the thing I love There's about the G7 the, the is that, like, it always ends up like result like producing great photographs because yeah like like you said like there's this great picture of Mac of trump's hand after he and macron shake hands where there's just macron's thumb imprint on the side of trump's hand and then did you see the one with angela merkel oh, i'm sorry angela merkel leaning over the table like shouting at trump <laughs> yeah that's the photo actually looks like he's trying to buy time because he peed his pants and doesn't know what to do next. <laughs> but <laughs> like, I can't stand up. My, uh, that's my... business tactic. You can delay for a little bit longer while you think of the uh, word you want to say. <laughs> my uh, my head cannon. I just I love these G set. Ah, oh, they're so. It's just so. I love when the Illuminati gets together. And, like, my favorite idea, though, is that just all the other world leaders, since they all speak, like, eight languages, they just speak whatever other languages that they know with the other one. So Macron and Merkel are just speaking French and just and they're just, you know, dropping Mueller, FBI, every once in a while in that conversation. And Trump's just sitting there next to them like, what? What are you saying? What are you saying? The fuck are they doing? And then just Merkel just turns to, I don't know, who else is in G7? They, just, they might Shinzo all speak. Abe, um, Trudeau. Uh, Trudeau. Okay, so they can just all speak uh, French. Never mind. We can just yeah, everyone yeah, can speak French. Them. Cool. <laughs> so they're all just speaking French, and Donald is just terrified because he's sure. Yeah, he's like, "What's this weird Mexican accent?" <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and and you made the joke already that uh, they might switch it. Trump might want to go like drop it down to G6, but that might actually be what's happening except the U.S. might be the one excluded now, so we're gonna go join our G2, G2 better. You know, or so, whatever. Folks, uh, I'm having the G1, it's gonna be great. No one else there to be mean to me. Go to Summit by myself, you know, where uh, our tariffs in response to uh, the 270% uh, ta uh, tariff on dairy, that really, really pisses off Trump from Trudeau. See, like that, that, that got its own tweet. Okay, he a two hundred and seventy percent tariff on dairy got its own tweet, which is great. See, I feel like I just really hope that Trump is able to take us fully from like, because like right now America is the bad guy, but we're so powerful that you know we're the super, you know, have been a superpower for so long now that like. We're still on the good guys' side of everything. We're still on the winners of the, you know, we're still on the winners of the, the Second World War side of everything. We're still on the good guys. And I'm just really ready for us to just join. And, like, I really hope the Singapore summit is just, like, Putin, Trump, uh, Xi Jinping, and Kim Jong-un just come out and they're like, Hello, we have formed the Alliance of Evil Nations, and we will now be <laughs> launching a ground war in Southeast Asia. And invading the Middle East by foot, so get over it. See, something that goes hand in hand with literally what you just said is a quote from Trump, <laughs> uh, because he, because he turned he turned around um, and uh, advocated for tariff-free trade. 
And he said uh, earlier in the day, a breakthrough seemed possible as Trump appeared to offer an olive branch when he said there should be tariff-free trade between the G7 nations, right? He didn't elaborate, of course, on like how or whether the U.S. would like reduce barriers. Uh, instead, he kind of focused on like the need for other countries, obviously, to reduce barriers for American <clears throat> products. And he said, ultimately, that's what you want. You want a tariff-free trade. You want no barriers and you want no subsidies because you have some cases where countries are subsidizing <laughs> industries and that's not fair. Donald Trump got massive subsidies to build his giant penis building in New York City and refused to do it without them. That's why the fucking bottom part is a public space, because he wanted tax breaks. His whole career is based on getting subsidies. Everything he has built has been heavily subsidized because there's no way it would be profitable otherwise. And we get get to the actual quote itself, which said, we're talking to all countries and it's going to stop. We're going to stop trading with them. And that's a very profitable answer if we have to do it. We're like the piggy bank that everybody's robbing. And and that ends today. He doesn't understand how capitalist economies work, does he? He doesn't understand how piggy banks work. Are you kidding me? We're breaking from the G7. It's just going to be the new team, the good guys. It's going to be us, Saudi Arabia, (laughs) Israel, and Russia. (laughs) The good guys. Don't forget Turkey. (laughs) Turkey, Venezuela. (laughs) Turkey, the the only country legally allowed to beat up Americans in Washington, D.C., and then just say, yeah, yeah, that happened. And uh, something even better to close this out. Uh, at the summit, Trump reportedly showed up late to a breakfast discussion about gender equality and skipped sessions on climate change, clean energy, and protecting the oceans. <laughs> Funny thing about showing up to that, showing up late to that meeting, he was making passes at the waitstaff at the hotel. <laughs> Wait, is that a joke uh, or real life? I, I well, genuinely don't know. I don't <laughs> either. No, but it definitely could have happened. Oh... <laughs> uh, well, do we want to move on to Oklahoma news for the week? I was going to say, it's all I got for you. Uh, all yeah. that juicy, juicy candy. Yeah. It's pretty juicy. I don't, I don't, I don't like, want to move on to Oklahoma news because of this story. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, no, it's, uh, are we going to start with Creek Nation? Uh, yeah, let, let's start with the Creek Nation one and then go on to the, the next one. Okay. All right, well, it seems that the uh, Creek Nation, this is a story from the Tulsa World reading, the Creek Nation closing a trailer park near Tulsa Casino to make way for future development. Um, And this is the River Spirit Casino on 81st and Riverside in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, I think that all of us know it and have visited. and uh, right do you remember that the- time we like tried to walk into the casino with <laughs> Little Caesars Pizza, and the people were like, "Who hurt you?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're just like, "You obviously have no money to spend here." <laughs> walked here, sir. With the pizza. Sir, we only accept Domino's and above. I'm, you're, you're gonna have to leave. <laughs> but just across the road from that is a uh, large trailer park, and the that is owned by the Creek Nation. And just recently, the casino says that the residents have 60 days to find new homes before the Creek Nation closes the facility for future developments, uh, meaning probably a, another parking lot for their giant casino. Um, it says the tribe has no definite plans, but the site just 200 feet from the Creek Nation casino's entrance would be an ideal combination for retailers, entertainment venues, hotels, is what the officials at the casino said. 
Um, and there's a the tribe has paid about five million dollars to buy the property in February of 2017. Um, a lot of residents have been there for you know decades, and there's about 140 mobile homes in the area that will have 60 days to relocate themselves before the tribe comes before the casino comes along and does whatever unspecified plans they have for the area. I mean, I think that the casinos are definitely taking a large amount of, like, I mean, they're, they're just not being very responsible with this uh, area, and, like, lots of people are being forced to move uh, in a very short amount of time, which is obviously not easy to do. Well, and it's also, it's so, it's kind of I ironic in a way because the Creek Nation is like forcing these people, a lot of whom are, are undocumented immigrants, um, or maybe not undocumented immigrants, uh, but a lot of people who, who, who are immigrants or like Native American, right, out of land and forcing them to move because they want to use it to build some garish shit. And then, I, would, I would say at face value it's ironic, but I doubt that there's a whole lot of like tribal influence behind the casino. I'm sure it's more a faceless company that runs it behind the scenes on behalf of the tribe. Right. And yeah, it's also probably. like it comes on top of there not being any sort of timetable or like actual development put into place. They're just like, ah, you know, sixty days, you gotta go. We'll probably have something put together in that time. Well it's also they're clearly like trying to just shuffle the poor off of like being near them there's like oh yes we don't really like a trailer home here it's not attractive and if we want to do something here we want it to seem like a nice area before we even start construction i mean i i would definitely agree with that except for the entrance to the mobile park is on the opposite side of the mile you know what i mean of the section area of the mile yeah, so yeah. I, there's not even any i i haven't been there granted so i mean I I, i've been whatever, there so. yeah they've got like a little bridge on it's easily like a mile from the casino there's a large amount of trees like wrapping around it it's difficult to see from the casino the area so yeah well, i i didn't even like before we before we started talking about this story i didn't even know that this place existed and it's not like i haven't driven you know down riverside before you know yeah, it's, it's only it's not even it's, like other stretch of lewis that you can't really get to very easily but yeah yeah it's it's very like out of sight but still, mind. whatever. Yeah, out of sight, out of mind, which is not good. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 you know, you always hate to see this kind of stuff because it's just, I don't know. I, I have been, and I'm sure uh, that you think about this even more than I do. But like, I have been really like thinking about like I just see buildings now. And then think about the homeless problem, and I'm just like, why, 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 why do you need a new warehouse? And like, if you can just build a warehouse that easily, or like not use it, or take this land and push people off it, and you can build all this giant gaudy crap, you can't. Like, you're telling me there's no way we can deal with the homeless issue because there's they don't work, or I, don't, I just, I always, I, I've been thinking I mean, about yeah, that a lot recently. I mean, We've, we've that, brought up a, a number on a number of times on this show the amount of the three, the three to one housing, to, you know, homeless mm -hmm. fucking problem in the United States, and I mean it is it is pretty ridiculous, especially. I mean, I, I definitely agree with everything that you're saying, just in terms of like they all of these people or all the, this 
particular spokesperson for the company claiming they have a lot of concern for individuals trying to give them subsidies to help them move. But at the end of the day, I mean, you still aren't helping subsidize any new housing. You're just removing a, a lot of the low cost, like affordable housing off of, you know, well, this is also part of land like this is part of a rhetoric that I've heard in lots of opinion articles, which is like, oh, poor people, if you don't like your situation, move or like they act like it's incredibly easy for the poor to just be like a transient, always moving population. It's just like, oh, cost of living too much? Move somewhere cheaper. Oh, you're getting, you know, someone's developing on your land. This is an incentive to take the money and move somewhere else and pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Which is like, no, you can't just keep shuffling these people around every time it's they're inconvenient. Right, and it is kind of insulting where it's like they offer cash incentives for you to get out within, like additional cash incentives for you to get out within 30 days, right? And they're like, that's got to be enough. Like when this is probably one of the more affordable living areas that these people, like some people have lived here for upwards of like a decade, a decade and a half, you know what I mean? Yeah, raised their families here. And the it's like, oh, well, like, here's a thousand bucks. How about you fucking scoot along and get the fuck out of here? You know, that's just that you know. finding a new place to live, assuming you're like taking your trailer with you, packing up and mo moving your trailer again. And like, I mean, all of that alone costs more than a thousand dollars just to move yourself somewhere else, let alone trying to do it in 30 days. Well, and it also, it fucking sucks. Everyone hates moving. I have never met a single person that is like, oh, yeah, moving, that's cool. Even when you move into a cool place, which is like, well, this is a fucking terrible day. It's going to be a bad day, right. you know? And, and, and just every year for college, and it fucking sucked ass. Oh, yeah, it did. Every single year. I was there. And it's just to force that, but on top of that, to force that to a group of, uh, on a group of people that are poor that probably can't shuffle around work that easily, because they definitely work, that probably can't, you know, decide where they're going to move to. I mean, where, like, where are these people going to move to now? It's not well, like exactly. they're good. It's, they're in South Tulsa, in, like, a part where everywhere else is, like, building shitty McMansions, and most of these people probably work some of the service industry jobs in South Tulsa. If they have to move somewhere else, how much further do you think they're going to be from the area where they live their lives currently? They'll probably be and miles out, somewhere in, like, way far East Tulsa. Because nowhere else around there is affordable for people who are living in, like, a trailer park with those types of, like, incomes. There's nowhere else around there they can go. Right, What's and even coming to the from... Children, you know, yeah, that, it... that are going to school there. Yeah. Yeah, they, have, um, they almost certainly... I mean, they can probably still go somewhere in Tulsa, but it'll be half an hour further away. I mean, yeah, they tried to seem sensitive, and they were like, oh, well, we waited until, you know, mid-April so the kids could get out of school for the year. You know, we um, had them stop paying rent for the last two months to add on money for them to be able to move. That's but like how they fire you on a Friday. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it, but it's like, even, even could, right, so imagining myself attempting to move, right, and like, to move anywhere, even out of, outside of Oklahoma, like, even down the street, you know what I'm saying, the massive amount of, like, planning that would have to go into it of like finding a place to live of and especially this is me being a single individual right like yeah, just moving myself to live and just like yeah i got 60 days well just moving myself right and all of my shit into a new place making sure it's close enough to my job like all of these particular um uh, planning just aspects that have to go into it it's absolutely ludicrous to just kick out, especially families that have even more to worry about, probably on less income, you know what I mean, into 
just wherever without even any sort of like uh, actual transition program put into place, just throwing cash at it is it's ludicrous. This is something that's been ramping up a lot just because um, a lot of what I've been seeing in Boston and I think it's going on in most major cities and Tulsa too, like the entire country is starting to experience some real resurgence from the drops in 2008 and we're in like a strong recovery period right now. There's a big building boom across the country. Um, Lots of industries are expanding, building new buildings. this is like the biggest building boom we've seen since the 1990s and rather than like use a lot of that prosperity to go towards you know you know use the excess for things that are socially beneficial it really is just creating a greater divide where we build more luxury high-rises uh more expensive commercial areas larger resort casino hotel complexes um, and well, you even it comes you even at the cost that, of letting that bottom fall out. You, you even see that in Tulsa with the, the, the Home Builders Association of Greater Tulsa moving to end protections in, in Midtown for neighborhoods that have, you know, neighborhoods that <clears throat> sometimes do service poor communities because they're walkable and they're trying yeah. to destroy that as well. And so it's just, it's part of this massive neoliberal attack where housing is getting commodified as a thing that turns a profit instead of a fucking house <laughs> well the, yeah there's a whole lot of urbanism theories going on right now and all of them are like all right like the nimby not in my backyard ism is bad we need to encourage people to build and like build denser and stuff but what that is being translated into is we need to encourage people to build what the market wants and the only things that are affordable or that are profitable and will like sell because of the high cost of construction materials and planning and everything and because there's no construction subsidies in the United States are these luxury houses are these expensive like midtown McMansions that they're replacing smaller houses with are these uh, hotels and resorts and casinos and because there's no profitability in doing otherwise there's no one who is trying to find uh, you know public housing in these urban areas there's no one trying to find like money for more hospitals or more like schools because there's not public money behind it it's all private money and private money goes to what's profitable not what's good for people oh yeah what what has the most potential to turn a profit and it's definitely not subsidized housing No, it's just it's 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 the exact same thing that that happened in China, which they stopped doing. Thank God, but it's that thing where you just build cities as in investments, as capital dumps yeah. that are never meant to be used. Um, yeah, that's well, that's do we what's move going on, on to our uh, next story. Yeah, uh, the the story we're gonna round it out with. Uh, this week is a pretty a pretty dark one as well. Um, just to intro it a bit. I actually um, I was I had some friends of some friends in town from Louisiana, so I got to talk talk to them about this because you know the first thing I think of when I think of Louisiana is sky high prison rates, and for the first time uh, ever, Oklahoma has finally topped Louisiana as the state that incarcerates the most people. And being the state that incarcerates people in the U.S., we actually lead the world in incarceration now, um, which is pretty bad. 
right now we incarcerate about one we incarcerate 1079 people per every 100,000 people in the state right the second highest incarceration in the world at a country level is El Salvador and they incarcerate 614 people per 100,000 so we about double the second least free place in the world right and this this number uh, coming from the prison policy institute includes things like youths put in juvenile detention people forcibly put into uh, people forcibly institutionalized um, things like that so so it's an expansive number the whole idea being that if the state is forcing you to be somewhere that's incarceration which makes a lot of sense i think yeah, that's, i think that's bad i mean that yeah that's what it is that's what it means um, yeah I don't, um, i don't think that juvenile detention is any less of prison it may count differently on your record but it's essentially the same Yeah, it's still you're still not allowed to leave when you want to. Like that's what a prison is, is you yeah. don't get to to leave and someone forces you to be there. Um Oh yeah. So what what what's happened now that we've overtaken Louisiana and that rating is that like Oklahoma can rightfully be called the least free, you know, organization like political organizational unit in the world, right? Because if freedom means something, one of the important things freedom means is that you're not in prison right that that like liberal negative freedom is a pretty important concept i think to everybody no matter what you are in the political spectrum in terms of what freedom means um and so we are literally the least free country we the least free part of the world we're so unfree in oklahoma that one out of every 100 oklahomans so 1% of the state's population is in prison right now That's the rate we're at. Which is Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty bad. That's really Like, like that's the definition of a police state. <laughs> There's no way around that. You're when you have 1% of your entire population locked up. That's, yeah, that's a, yeah. Well, and like the, the the crazy thing about that is if you look at the lowest the states with the lowest rates of imprisonment say Massachusetts actually um they're it's ranking in the world in the top 10 and it's next to countries like Turkmenistan or Turkey or Russia which are, which are not democracies by any stretch of the imagination what and and that's if what? that's if you're looking at like the lowest incarceration rates in the US if you look at us there's literally no one you can compare us to except for the except for other US states with super high incarceration rates Mm-hmm. And I think we all know who who these people are that are incarcerated. In Oklahoma, it's a lot more women than it is anywhere else in the world because we've been leading the world in imprisoning women for a very long time. Um it's disproportionately people of color. It's disproportionately poor people, and we just have decided that to solve our social problems, we put them in prison for years and years on end. And then right. Out I mean, of sight, out of mind. This ties yeah, this ties in well with our other story of maybe quote unquote free disenfranchised people and then the prison one it's easier just to put them somewhere else and forget about their rights and who they are and that they're people and everything it's just kind of like this lower tier that needs to be shuffled around to wherever is convenient for us i mean it's it's yeah it's in a way like foreshadowing what might happen depending on how the future shakes out with with the climate problem I've is that we 
continually running theory that Oklahoma is a precursor litmus test to how the rest of the United States is going to be. Just because every terrible thing that's happened in the United States, Oklahoma usually has that about five years earlier. No, that's show, that's been show canon since like before either of you like came on the show like long term. <laughs> oh, okay, that yeah. bad oh, things yeah. happen in Oklahoma and then move to the national stage. You know, yeah, this Roy been plenty Moore, of examples Ralph of that Shorty, too. They they um, metastasize here. <laughs> Scott Pruitt, Scott Pruitt. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest evil. Um, God, oh, what, what's another one? Oh, there's another one. Oh yeah. Oh god, I can't remember that guy's name, but there's some state representative that every time like somebody says the word Muslim, he just like shoots at the closest brown person to him. He presses Donald Trump by a lot. You know, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. And it's really, it's really terrifying to think of that about that. Like I have, you know, I think it's really normal for people our age to have you know multiple hundreds of friends on Facebook, right? Right. And think about. You know, the overwhelming majority for most of us are, are going to be Oklahomans, right? Think about for every hundred friends you have on Facebook, one of those people is in prison. That is where yeah. we're at in Oklahoma. And that's, I mean, it's it's a bit more than that because it would actually be 1.079 people um, are in prison. Right. Uh, but, but, you know, that's... It's still ridiculous. It's, mm-hmm. it's mind-boggling. I mean, there's literally nothing that compares to it. And there are so many different reasons why it happens. You know, three strike laws, minimum uh, punishment laws, right? Yeah, okay. I mean, one of the biggest things is private prison industry because you hear that Oklahoma has the most prisoners in anywhere in the world. If you're running a prison industry, that reads like profit to you. And that sounds like somewhere that you want to keep in that state. Well, and that's a thing that happens because the utter inability of Oklahoma to public, uh, fund public services has resulted in private prisons exploding in the state of Oklahoma and seeking to keep things, you know, keep those prisons filled. Yeah, and, I mean, and that's the problem. When you have industry with its thumb on the scale, it's always easier in politics to change nothing than to change something. And it becomes especially hard to change something when you've got other forces like preventing that change yeah and and all the prison reform stuff we've done because we have thank god done at least some hasn't even actually been good enough to keep prisons uh, to to reverse the growth in our prison population it's only been good enough to slow it we're going to have to have some kind of massive change on how we do this if we want to see prison population go down and we know it doesn't work it doesn't stop people from committing crimes. People come out of prison and keep doing crimes. They're disenfranchised. They can't get a job. Well, yeah, you know? I mean, it's even it's, incentivized, though, that in the job climate that you don't, you mean, you, you de-incentivize hiring people that have any type of criminal record to begin with, and thus that, I mean, just kind of re-entrenches people into either A, doing, you know what I mean, uh, what it was they got thrown into prison in the first place because they can't find, like, a, a job with a livable wage, let, let alone a job at all. Well, and you also incentivize, because you can use prisoners as slave labor, you incentivize moving production into prisons as well. Oh, right. Because if you keep somebody in prison and your company, I don't know, Tyson, uh, mm-hmm. decides to use prison labor to fund it, they can actually make a ton of money. I mean, that's the story we covered earlier a long time ago about uh, CARE, the um, prison like the prison knockoff work camp gulag in Oklahoma where Tyson was making a shit ton of money off people who were working. And if you look at any of the prisons, they get paid like a buck an hour or something and they do work for large corporations in the U.S. at 
rock bottom wages, and you know those corporations aren't going to hire them when they come out for a good job. They want to keep them there. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that, of course, is a major factor in prison populations is marijuana legalization, because that is an e or illegalization, because that's a very easy way for authorities to just clamp down on a lot of people who are otherwise not doing anything wrong and attach the maximum possible sentencing. Uh, right. I think definitely. Governor's race coming up, like that's actually an issue that people have raised in the state of Oklahoma, and I think. Uh, of course, I know, decriminalization I know planning, has been uh, a bigger issue, but it's also been, yeah, I mean, gone against super hard by by these types of hardline, hardline uh, representatives involved in the pr private prison industry. Of course, and I know, I know we're going to do like It's almost like they have election. a dog in that race. So, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I know we're planning to do election stuff, but uh, Connie Johnson, one of the candidates for the Democratic uh, Party's gov governor race, is. Uh, talking about marijuana legalization in Oklahoma, and I think that would definitely be a step in the right direction towards putting a dent in our massive prison populations. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, we also need to, to make it, uh, you know, we need someone who's going to say, if you're in on a nonviolent drug offense, you're not going to be in prison anymore. Yeah. Well, we, just, we need someone, someone that will... There was, like, a, a comment by some police department. They were saying, you know, if marijuana is legalized, it will make our job harder to do. And everyone's like, no, it won't. That just means that you'll have less arrests to make. But it actually will make their job harder to do because their job is keeping people oppressed and making sure that they can keep control over people. And without this extra, like, thing they can put the screws to people on, then that does actually make their job harder. Yeah, it's true. I mean, how are you going to harass communities of color if you yeah, can't get onto them for, for pot? Bust them for having a joint on them. Um, well, do we want to continue on to uh, conservative reading list for the week? Finish up with some laughs here. <laughs> yeah, we Please, we got some. We definitely need it. We got Ooh. some laughs. Um, I would. Laughs. I just want to make a formal complaint shortage. again. Um, I want to make a formal complaint to the Tulsa world. Get your fucking, I don't care about data protection, assholes. Let me access your website from Europe. Fuck you. Um, but we're going to the other Tulsa newspaper. Or maybe the other, other, I don't, <laughs> probably like the other, 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 other Tulsa newspaper this week for our conservative <laughs> reading list. Uh, the Tulsa Beacon. Um, God damn. A wonderful, amazing newspaper, which is, I think, only purchasable at Oral Roberts University. Uh, <laughs> and they have an article that they published on June 7th called Editorial, City Pushes the Homosexual Agenda. So we, we get off to a good start. Um, as you all, as anyone who listens to this show knows, you know, it's Pride Month, um, and that's a good thing. Go Pride, go, go be gay in public, if only to offend these people. Um, <laughs> But so they, they take a problem with the city of Tulsa and what it's done during during uh, Pride Month. They start. Mayor G.T. Bynum and the city councilors welcome the advance of homosexuality in Tulsa with open arms. Good. Yeah. Hooray. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. This is like this continues this theme where you read these conservative op-eds and you're like, that's a good thing. Yeah, I really uh, like how you all start this article. This is, yeah. this is a high value. Thank you. Um, 
it's funny because they all start like that, so they kind of know that they're like starting with, oh, this is what people want to hear, but here's what we actually think. Here's what's actually up. Um, oh, I think we got him. We got him hook, line, and sinker. They're following <laughs> the fifth grade. Uh, you got to get that attention grabber. Uh, yeah, I'm really surprised they didn't start this with, the dictionary defines pride as... <laughs> Also, I think that uh, welcomes advance homosexuality probably is more would be a uh, better described by doesn't specifically forbid. Yeah. Oh no, no, they're gonna tell us how they they welcome the advance of uh, of homosexuality. Um, they they tell us how uh, to celebrate homosexuality. The city has renamed Fourth Street between Elgin and Lansing Avenues as Price Street. <laughs> they misspelled Bright Street. <laughs> <laughs> The Tulsa like, Beacon oh, really, is a really great it's institution. Some, it's got some deals on it. It's got some deals. Jared you know Fisher what deals they've got? Paying for homosexual sex. <laughs> <laughs> they have free condoms so you don't get pregnant. Uh, they got a, the abortion bans. <laughs> They're like instead of food trucks. <laughs> I would go to like an abortion van, like what Wednesday. I don't know. That sounds pretty cool. All right, just keep reading. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So to 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 what they say after Price Street is more accurately, it should be called Homosexual Street, <laughs> which would be fine. Like it doesn't blow off the tongue. Okay. The it doesn't. <laughs> we call that. Pretty sure that would be syllables. Too much of a problem. Um, I just would love to like be upset with my GPS because Google keeps autocorrecting homosexual to some other terrible <laughs> slur, and I'm just like, this isn't the street I want to go down. <laughs> well, like some somebody who writes at at the Tulsa Beacon is like, I need to go to Price Street because like they're in the closet and they want to go to like meet some other homosexuals about coming out, but they just don't know it's called Pride Street. They actually don't know. Um, I like the idea of actually <laughs> calling it Homosexual Street because that way you would still get the Tulsa Beacon. They'd still be mad about this, but then also you'd get a bunch of people being like, this is exclusive to non-binary people. <laughs> just, get it, just get people on both sides angry. Why not? <laughs> Like, are cops allowed on Pride Street? (laughs) Um, But so, I mean, they're just lobbing grenades here. This stuff's great. They continue. That intersection downtown is is the home of the quote-unquote equality center, a thinly-veiled recruitment center for anyone who wants to experience with an unnatural lifestyle. I like the idea that these people are like army recruiters and they're going to 17-year-olds. They like take them to Arby's and get them a sandwich. And they're like, do you want some acid and to come have some? Son, we can help pay for your college if you do two tours of duty as a gay man. (laughs) I I also love that like this, like, like this Uh, isn't what all of the like Tulsa Beacon churches do. Like they aren't sending people door to door to be like, (laughs) have you heard the good word about Jesus? It's like, no, no, just because well, you are being <clears throat> creepy, proselytizing evangelicals doesn't mean everyone else is. Well, and they're not like, they're not doing that thing where they're just like, you know, <laughs> if, if you talk about these fucking mega churches, they have like arcades and shit where you always win. And then they just come in and they're like, Jesus made you win because he loves you. Also, go shoot guns at the Equality Center. That's literally happened before. And and they're like, oh, that's not the Christian agenda. They're like, no, the homosexual agenda is, is a place where you can get, like, legal support for harassment that you are entitled to. 
Yeah, like, I don't no. think I've ever heard of any uh, any gay rights advocacy groups going. Have you ever tried being gay? We we want <laughs> we want you to. I don't know. Just how, see how, how, you know? how how late at Try night have, are you willing to go to the Yeti? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is also akin to you know, things like in the, uh, like things in the South called uh, uh, pregnancy crisis centers. I don't know if y'all yeah. have actually heard a bunch of that, where yeah. they literally the will pose. They they will pose as abortion clinics just to like lure women in and then like basically interrogate them into not getting an abortion. It's literally um, a trap that they it's have built. Literal, but but we're the ones who are 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 approached. Yeah, I don't. I can't even keep going. Well, I I, I do want to just clarify. They say it's a thinly veiled recruitment center for anyone who wants to experience with an unnatural lifestyle. Like that's two. We're not halfway through the article. <laughs> This is like an actual newspaper you can pick up. <laughs> yeah, but this article um, is like four sentences long, and I'm not sure that I it know. wasn't written by an eight eight year old. This is if you've ever seen that Simpsons episode where the two Flanders kids have their own like play newspaper. This is like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is actually like if um, four people, two of which don't live in Oklahoma anymore, made a podcast about Oklahoma. It's kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't misspell things, Adam. <laughs> yeah, because we we talk them, just mispronounce them. <laughs> um, okay, but let's keep let's keep reading. Uh, city officials put on their best clothes to have a ribbon cutting on June first to celebrate this newly named street and to rejoice at the annual quote unquote Pride Festival. The quote emperor has no clothes end quote. Can we what, who what, are, what does that sentence even mean without any context? To? Yeah, why is emperor has no clothes in quotes but not the yeah, I just I don't know what are they going for. Um, but but the next one's a good doozy. The next one's good. Um, people who are caught up in homosexuality shouldn't be quote unquote proud. They should be ashamed that they are promoting something that promotes diseases, breaks up families, and destroys friendships and careers. So they're saying homosexuality is bad because I won't talk to my son anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, they're saying homosexuality is bad because I had to kick, uh, stop talking to my cousins. And yeah. yeah, and I, I also uh, like that it's like, uh, well, Jim used to be a pretty cool guy. Uh, you know, I watched football with him. Uh, both big pack fan. Go pack go. Uh, you know, he's a pretty, pretty stand-up guy. Then I saw him kissing his loving husband, uh, Andy, and now it's like, you know, I just can't see him without imagining two men kissing on the mouth <laughs> with each other, slowly and gently. And I, I, I had, I had to end our friendship. That was it. I'll never be friends with him again. <laughs> no, he actually did the biblical thing and cut both his eyes out because he saw something he desired. <laughs> um. Let's keep oh, reading. Though. Yeah, this is a good one. <clears throat> yeah, it, they get they get very good. This this gets really good as it moves on. Uh, but the next one already just great. The the galaxy brain level shit they have going on here. If the truth be known, very few homosexuals are happy. They are in that lifestyle and secretly wish for a normal life. Again, <laughs> these sentences are really poorly put together. I also like. <laughs> The idea that people live through discrimination and harassment every fucking day of their lives are just yeah, you, secretly wanting to not be like that. Yeah, is you know how, so like 
being gay in Oklahoma is like it takes a lot to come out and like a lot of people will act very differently towards you and a lot of times your family isn't accepting well you know they're just kind of doing that as a show and are secretly wishing that they didn't have to do any of that (laughs) they're just hiding the fact that they actually don't want to go through any of that and it's also like if they secretly wish for a normal life why aren't they going to one based on how they lay this shit out yeah like, what is it, if this is a choice or something, and they secretly wish for a normal, but... This okay, is also written by someone who has never had any interaction longer than, like, telling them to leave me alone after talking to a homosexual, <laughs> and is like, oh yeah, none of them are happy. I, I <laughs> yeah. make a point to never interact with them, <laughs> but I know, none of them are happy. The, All they're like disposable ha- income, and, uh, you know, literally being synonymous with the word for happy. No, they're all miserable. All oh, they, they all hate themselves. Um. <laughs> Unlike me, who sleeps in a separate room as my wife, and uh, you know, sometimes <laughs> we go weeks without speaking, and uh, my children don't really a... talk to me that much anymore, but at least I'm a... happier than a gay person. <laughs> I made a whole room in my house where I don't allow my children or wife in, and I only allow my, my other male friends into so we can be men together. <laughs> Yeah, unlike totally. those gays. <laughs> I swear to God, if anybody brings their boyfriend and they kiss, I'm going to have to cug them to death. I'm well, going to have to kiss their faces them. until they know not to kiss men anymore. Well, they really they really like, uh, you know, majestic things, so they called that room in their house the Majestic Man Cave. <laughs> uh. <laughs> How many men can that mind? I'm not going to do that joke. Um... Let's, we got three more to go. We got three more paragraphs. Uh, three paragraphs, more three more sentences. Three more. These are uh, not no, paragraphs. They just, they just, they just put a return after every single <laughs> sentence, and it... that's how you make paragraphs for the Tulsa. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's enter. You know, you enter the paragraph. Um, uh. <laughs> so, so they say this. Tulsa's young professionals recently added a five thousand grant to quote Oklahomans for equality end quote. A homosexual front organization. Uh, Carl, they make Carl. it sound like they're like homosexual partisans, like living in like the woods in Osage County. That are like raiding the supply lines of people in Tulsa, and it's like. <laughs> okay, Carl, you are not. You are saying homosexual like a regular person, and I want you to understand that whoever wrote this article intended you to say homosexual. Yeah. Like you're not. I'm sorry, but you're just really. You have to deliver you hit the it. ethos and the vigor. You yeah. know, with which you hate people. Calling something a, a homosexual front manner. organization is pretty high up on the list of stuff, though. Like, that's, that's real. This is like... I mean, the... it's not even a front organization. They clearly are. Yeah. No, no. There's secret no, agenda. No secret agenda. No. Secret agenda. The People's Republic of China and Iran are supporting Oklahomans for equality to destroy America's traditional values through gay Islamic communism, okay? It's real. The Tulsa Beacon has a 5,000-word article out about it, and that's the longest one they'll ever write. Um, it might yeah, actually write a, that. There's a return after every, every sentence, so <laughs> you literally will take you six years to, to read. Also, some comments to be said. Um. Read this next one. It's good, too. Yeah, this next one's good. Um, this that group is an offshoot of the chamber, an organization with no moral compass. Okay, which cha- before yeah, which yeah, that's what I was about <laughs> to say. Like, a- like, so they're not referencing a chamber. They're not like saying like, oh, they did this thing that is bad, and and that's why they don't have a moral compass. They're just like, no, no moral compass. 
I don't have to talk about it anymore. I told you they don't have a fucking moral compass. Shut up, Carl. Shut up. They don't have a moral compass. They don't have it. They don't, they're they're okay, uncentered. They're going way. anywhere. I'm going to be entirely honest. If Tulsa's young professionals are an offshoot of the Tulsa Chamber of Commerce, of course that doesn't have a moral compass. It's the Chamber of Commerce. They just want to make money. That's the whole point of the, of the organization. Why, what is why are we continually using a compass to gauge morality as well? Or haven't we upgraded since then? I don't know. <laughs> do we not have a moral GPS? Do we not have, like... To God. So. No, it, it, it points northeast to the northeast sector of the political compass, which is the only proper one. Let's all be honest here. Um, I my moral compass pointed towards Mecca. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really hope they listen. I'm going to tag them in all their like <laughs> defunct social media pages. Um, <laughs> I really hope they listen to this. Uh, this next one, this next quote-unquote paragraph is also very good. But Bynum prefers political correctness to traditional morality. He worships at the altar of diversity and shrugs at common sense. <laughs> That's that took whoever did, did wrote they build, this. Wordsmithing. Did they yeah. actually build an altar of diversity at the Tulsa, like at the Tulsa <laughs> City, whatever the fuck it is, the, the, the city officials? I know building. exactly how they're picturing it. They're picturing a satanic altar that <laughs> just says like diversity, <laughs> a pentagram. <laughs> I thought See, like uh uh. That, like, traffic triangle, the median, where the Equality Center is, they actually uh, took the statue of the devil they were going to put at the Oklahoma State Capitol, and they put it there, and now, every day in June, the gays are going to execute one Christian. Like, that's just what's <laughs> happening now. That's that's what G.T. Bynum did, you know? He said, let's start that. Um, uh, also, I, they say I, I just common sense, but they're, they don't have anything that they're, like... Referencing. They're just like, this isn't common sense. What isn't? What's happening? Like, Don't do that is why. Well, also, okay. Like, G.T. Biden's not like some like radical leftist. Um, to them, he is. Because he is not actively trying to sound the trumpets of the apocalypse. See, he I just... is a radical leftist. I just picture, like, a gigantic, you know, behind all of that there's one of the, like, like coexistence or tolerance bumper stickers just etched into a big stone slab <laughs> and that's actually what they're nailing people to. <laughs> All right. Whenever a Christian's blood runs through the cross that is the tea, the golden fire comes up and the lamb is burnt under the great offering of, of the homosexual agenda. And I five children. I'll read this last sentence because there's okay. a lot in, in this one. This a lot last sentence, like, I, I was really iffy about doing this until I read this last sentence, and I, like, shit 20 chickens, because, oh my god, there's a lot in this. There's a lot. Um, this is actually, Tulsa, like, impressive. Tulsa is forbidden to name its public schools after Civil War heroes. Heroes! He holds a party with <laughs> the name a street for a sexual, sexual. lifestyle that used to be illegal in America. Illegal! Fun. Who are those heroes? There's so what much used to be legal in America. There's <laughs> like, that's how nothing should ever be made legal or illegal again. Slavery should re have remained legal. Gay like interaction should have remained illegal. Like, should just stay on the 1776. You, rules. If you really grab this thing by its nuts, right? If you really grab it by the root, and you try and pull no, by it a little nuts, bit. You, here's 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 what this says to me though. This is like this is like less an argument for slavery and less an argument about like homosexuals, even though it is. 
But like, what? Like, this is like almost an advocation of like, uh, actually, we need to do uh, genetic testing, and only white people are allowed to get married now. White man and woman may get married if their genetics are perfect and in line with the seventy-seven precepts of the uh, the fourteen precepts. Oh, excuse me, the fourteen precepts of the the SS. And so, it's, once you can like verify your pure blood, you are allowed to procreate. But if you procreate outside of that pure blood, then that is a mud blood, and we will execute it or enslave it. Do you understand? They're mad because the gays get their thing. Why doesn't the neo-reactionary right get their thing? It's not fair. They get their parade. Why can't we have our racist, slave-owning, uh, enemy combatant statues? <laughs> you know, as, as a member of the far right, I'm just extremely angered that the state legislature, the governorship, the presidency and both houses of Congress are controlled by my party. I'm just terribly upset that I have no representation anywhere in American political life. I'm constantly getting attacked. I have never gone to downtown since they closed Spaghetti Warehouse. And now I think it's a dead wasteland where the homosexuals roam the streets with guns, executing good Christians. I was never going to go anyways, though. And I'm just <laughs> mad about this tiny little street. Also, they the raised parking. The, they raised the price of parking three years ago, and while I'd never gone to downtown before, then now I will never ever go to downtown because I might have to pay eighty-five <laughs> cents to park. That that George Kaiser, what kind of name <laughs> is that? He's building a park that blocked my way to downtown. <laughs> George Kaiser sounds like George Soros. <laughs> Uh, I just, I just, the reason, the reason this is so great to me is that I didn't think we'd get standing for the Confederacy in a hate the gays <laughs> article from the, Tulsa, from the Tulsa Beacon. Like, I just, I'm impressed. Yeah, Honestly, I, down I'm at the end of it. They're just like, let's go whole hog. <laughs> Why not bring up Confederate statues in our anti-gay brand? <laughs> and call hey, wait, them wait. Civil War heroes. <laughs> Compromise. Can we leave the statues up? But we paint them rainbow flag colored. <laughs> no, we just that put is actually the altar of the uh, <laughs> that is actually the altar of diversity that they were referencing earlier. <laughs> God damn it! was like a, a a big black dildo on a statue of Robert E. Lee with like a rainbow cock ring, and instead of his coat, he's wearing a rainbow flag. This, that's that's the truly centrist position in Trump. All right, America. now if we really want to get at them, we should rename Lee Elementary to Pride Elementary. <laughs> oh, God. Let's not let's not make it any worse than it already is. We might really have some problems on our hands. Well, uh, Carl, you want to take it to uh, socialist yeah. events for the week? Carl, I don't know how yeah. you passed up on the Tulsa Beacon editorial Mike Hunter for Attorney General because you would just get to say his name over and over and over again. But I understand. We've already done that. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a thing again. Um, I guess we, we'll cover him in the governor's right there. The, yeah. The AG race, yeah. AG race. Um, yeah, but socialist events for this week, guys. The Solidarity Through Food Kitchen is having its project meeting for the summer on Tuesday, June 12th from 6 to 7 p.m. in room 301 at the Central Library in Tulsa, and they want you to like come help them plan and like suggest some projects for the summer. Uh, immediately afterwards and in the same room, Oklahoma Street Health will be having its general meeting. So you get a twofer. You get, you get two for one. If you go on Tuesday at 6 to the Central Library and go to room 301, two socialist organization events. Uh, additionally, on Friday, 
June 15th, the new Sanctuary Network of Tulsa, just like every week, will be having its weekly protest against deportations in front of the David L. Moss Correctional Facility from 12 to 12.20. And that's especially important for those of us that are American citizens because, and that don't have the threat of deportation because we can just go yell at the pigs that are nice, whatever we want to, and uh, we can't get in trouble. So... Go do that. Go support our comrades that are threatened by the fascist police that are ICE uh, on Friday at noon in front of David L. Moss Correctional Facility. But all that's right. all we got this week. All, all right. right. Well, as always, you can check us out at Twitter, Red Star Over OK. Subreddit is R Red Star Over Oklahoma. And Carl usually puts some interesting stuff up there after the shows for the week. So go there for some extra reading material. As always, you can catch us on SoundCloud and iTunes under the same name. And any questions, comments, complaints, concern, or hate mail, you can send to redstaroverok at gmail.com. And as always, tell your friends and rate and review on iTunes. Thank you so much, guys. It's been a great one. Talk to you later. Bye. Later.